0: to the truth in his art beyond and we're back in Philadelphia. I am your host Rob Lee and today I'm excited to welcome my next guest, a spoken word artist, creator of the Lindo Yes clothing line and an educator who was born and raised in uptown Philadelphia. His work is unapologetically black and a fusion of theatrical poetics and visual art which addresses the constructs of love, masculinity and uh, social justice. Please welcome Lindo Jones. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Where? What's good? What's popping? What's head? What it is? What it do with? up? I'm happy to be here.
0: I, I love the energy. We're starting. We're starting <laughs> out great. We're starting out great. Um, so, so thank you for making the time. I'm glad um, I'm able to, you know, to to chat with you on this this Monday. We're we're doing this, and um, it's a good it's a good way to wrap up a Monday. We just starts, and you're able to have a, an interesting conversation. So I'm looking forward to it.
1: Hmm. I I am too. Like uh, I've been looking forward to this to this for like at least a month now.
0: <laughs> it's, good, it's good. to hear. It's good to hear. You know, we're we're gonna knock something out here. So, in, in starting off, I like to get that that sort of introductory piece. Um, could you tell us your background? Um, you know, describe like you know what growing up was, and um, you know, in, in Philly, and um, what was your first creative interest or creative pursuit? You know, just talk about that a bit.
1: Um, My first creative pursuit was surviving. Um, You know, I I grew up um, working class poor. And when I say working class poor, it wasn't just like we got to put off one bill. There was a constant just like harsh conditions like, you know, uh, you know, we had to get a bucket of water to just like uh, to pour into the toilet for it to flush. And, you know, we're constantly always behind. And uh. But the thing that came out of that was just like there was a communal agreement and understanding that since we're all in the same type of struggle, it birthed a lot of creativity because there was a need to make resources when we didn't have it. And there was a need to lean on each other, um, even when we wasn't aware of just the skills we needed to ask each other for help. Um, so those are like my first creative endeavors were just like seeing a milk cart and crate and making it into a basketball court because the playground was not a place I could I I could you know go to it, it was uh, you know having you know conversations with people that wasn't in the m- most safe conditions but I needed stuff from them um so those are like first creative things were just like survival and resources and finding family and uh, unfamiliar Places that you know that allow me to be who I am now.
0: So, so, and, and thank you for that. Um, so, we like what it sounded like. It's like you know, just part of the upbringing it just enabled you to be sort of flexible, and there's some creativity baked into that, right? Um,
1: yeah, I I often think that you know a lot of times when people are in struggle and they want upward mobility, they create because. The lack of access, the lack of resources. So I think you know a lot of times when we we talk about creatives, we are talking about people that came from some type of oppressed backgrounds a lot to to be where they are. Yeah,
0: I hear you. I hear you on that. And so so in it, you know, having to you know, having that experience very young, and you know, I know a lot of folks listening, and my, myself included, in doing this interview can can relate to that. Do do you believe that? Creativity, cre- creative creativity, is is something that is developed that that, or is it something that a person is born with? You know, like that sort of approach. It's like, you know, do you just have it right there, or is it just something like, hmm, I see this this way. I need to, you know. I need to have this happen. I need to, you know, find what that next meal might look like. I need to figure out how I can get those resources. Then you, you know, think about things maybe in a different way. Was that, you know, something that was natural for you? Was it something that developed over time?
1: Um, I think it's a, it's a, it's a both and question because I think we are born with it in a sense of just like the jibble jabber of, you know, a baby is them speaking. You know, and we might not understand it, but it's a language they created for themselves. You know what I'm saying? And uh, yeah, so I I think, you know, a lot of creativity comes out of just like play. And when we think about those those ages where it's just like. Even though it seems very natural for us to walk, but like when we're young, it's just like, yo, we see these other two people, you know, doing it around the household. I think I could do it. But how are they doing it? We kind of create the idea of, of like imagining and then acting on it. But then I also think we we have to expand our awareness when we are problem solving and when we're trying to think beyond the immediate circumstances that we are in to then create. And I think the more that both things are meeting up, the more we have, uh, you know, that creativity being more uh, potent. Meaning just like the stuff that you was born with to create because of just like, yo, you you got to communicate with people. You got to do all these kind of like essential things. Um and then this like your imagination taking you further of just like expanding your awareness of just like you have to have a certain type of resolve and you have to have a certain type of like just uh, like will to do things when you don't see it. You know, and I mean that in a very generic way of just like, you know, sometimes I didn't see the superheroes that I wanted because sometimes they didn't have the powers that I thought was cool sometimes. I'm starting to imagine superheroes with the powers that I think are really cool or or them using the powers in a certain way. And then sometimes it is just like out of survival where it's just like, okay, how can I stretch this dollar to make it last for a meal today?
0: Right. That that makes a lot of sense. You know, I think needing something a lot of times that that whole quote of uh, necessity is the, the mother of invention or have you, you mm-hmm. need something, you're gonna you're gonna figure it out i think it makes you agile it, it 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 triggers some of those i think natural problem solving sort of things and you don't know what to do until you're in a situation sometimes you can kind of maybe yeah. it through but when it's right in front of you that's mm-hmm. when you help. that's when you really i think can kind of flex some of those muscles
1: yeah most definitely
0: so I want to, want to, want to move into sort of the creative, like what you're, what you're doing right now, your current work. So, you know, like describe like what your current work is about. And like, when did you first like, you know, kind of like have this, this inkling and this, this belief that this is something you could spend some time in, whether it be, you know, spoken word, whether it be, you know, in comics, talk about that a bit.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, spoken word for me, if, if there was ever to be like an origin story of me and well I say whatever <laughs> if it ever be but it is an origin story of me you know spoken word has always felt like my superpower because it it helped me combat so many so many of my mental like like issues of just like I got social anxiety and then I grew up in a neighborhood where there was gang violence so I had to have prepared conversations to navigate these things. Um, of just like knowing how to say hello, hello and who to say hi to, and how to give a head nod, and all those different things. But then I also just wanted to be prepared for conversations in the in the classroom, where it was just like I want to leave the best impression of myself in every you know every space. So I'm rehearsing all these conversations, so eventually it became poetry because it was just like how am I saying the most impactful things to leave the best impression of myself? And then people said. It's poetry to me. So, like, the more and more I am finding myself in spaces where I'm trying to use my words to be the most impactful, the more and more I want to empower people to be, you know, the change agent for themselves in whatever community they're in. So, the projects that I'm working on that focuses on that is I'm working on this gumball machine project. It's a citywide project where I am putting uh, free-to-use gum machines that dispense um, a button with a fabric back, um, information on uh, the 24-7 mental health line in Philadelphia, as well as a short poem that is giving you affirmation that you're making the first step in your mental health journey or a step in your mental health journey if you already have done some of the work. And part of that is everything I said in my origin story of just like how words have been empowering for me to deal with just like my mental health, Mm -hmm. as well as I just want more access so people can recognize that. So once I figured out, um, once I saw that Philadelphia has a 24-7 mental health line, I was like, how can I engage people with this? Because now it's accessible as far as you can call, but the information that you to know that you can call has to be accessible, too. So, you yeah. know, I've been doing those gumball machines Um, that that been like a really big project. And then I'm working on a comic book that is talking about mental health. Yeah. Um, It's three short stories that are intertwined by the characters having different interactions with each other. And it's a world that talks about what if the emotions were regulated and what does that look like. Like so kind of like how we have a credit score. Imagine yeah. if you had like an um, emotional credit score. <laughs> uh, that's the best way to sum it up without giving out too much, because you know, without the project being out, I can't say too much about it, but it's something that I want to start talking about because it will be out soon.
0: Well, thank you. No, that's 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 great. And I think it's it's a process and in, in getting to that point where you're you're able to find your voice and you know, it, I think. You know, sh- spreading awareness on some of these really important things, you know, mm-hmm. health, how we kind of address how we're, we're living and how we approach like just, just these different challenges. I think, you know, there are young folks that encounter a lot of things and they're developing those skills. But, you know, life can be really challenging for folks when they're even at a young age or even this sort of um, cycle that we're all mm-hmm. part of, of, had to just keep going you can't stop you can't take a moment you can't take a breath so you know yeah. and not knowing where those resources are at sometimes so that sort of that, that gumball machine project sounds really interesting really cool and <laughs> you know i'm always down for a good comic so you know let's yeah, <laughs> yeah keep it rolling
1: yeah, cool. yeah um the comment is called pawn shop for those that are interested when it comes out it's called pawn shop
0: okay that's gonna be great that's gonna be great Yeah. so you know, speaking more, like finding your voice and, and reading, as I was reading, I, I see this sort of uh, theatrical component, you know, mm-hmm. the visual component. And it's it's like covered in this umbrella of unapologetic blackness. Talk about that a bit.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, embrace, not trying to. Um, I'm always enacting on Black Joy, and Black Joy is this idea of just like what does it mean to act on your ha- happiness as a Black person without the idea of any oppressors or white days. So a lot of times when I'm on stage, I'm talking about these issues, even when they're are in the the the, the trauma and tragedy that comes about by being impressed i'm trying to i'm often doing it in a way of just saying that i have so much liberation being able to express it in this space i want to take up the whole stage and i'm thinking about not just how i'm using my hand gestures but how can i invite you more into my imagination where you suspend your disbelief that you can be in these places that i am telling you about so now i am uh hesitating you to have empathy, if you don't already have it, um, about these ideas that I'm expressing. So I really try to use the whole stage. And lately, in this chapter of my career, I've been really pairing my words with what I like to call like visual poetics. So just like, how can my words look really good with images and art and stuff like that? So I've been working on animation. As you know, I've been working on a comic book. And then you know, I'm doing the traditional forms of poetry of just like stage, but I'm also just trying to add a lot of just like media to the stage. So I'm trying to use a projector screen. I trying I'm using a projector screen and then also just everything I have learned about, you know, being theatrical. Yeah.
0: So, you know, and and talking about sort of the the process like and you know, working in multiple like sort of mediums, what would you say is like you, the way, where are you starting at for your process, as far as the idea generation point of it, um, mm-hmm. because, you know, there, there's going to be different if you're working on a comic, obviously, you know, there's mm-hmm. a, a drawing component as illustration component to it versus yeah. uh, a writing component. If you're, you know, maybe preparing something from a spoken word standpoint. So. You know, in in terms of the what makes them similar, what is the starting point for you coming up with your ideas and then like getting to that point of this will work really well as a comic or this yeah. idea works really well in this way?
1: Yeah. Um. For me, I think the 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 privilege I have because I'm dyslexic is I engage with words in a way that maybe others don't Where, Like a lot of times when I see a word, I'm immediately thinking about the image that it draws in my head to remember it, especially since like my dyslexia um, causes me not to always hear the sounds um, of words really well. So yeah. I'm often just thinking about the image that it creates in my head and then the story that it draws upon, uh, upon me. And then that helps me to kind of remember the word and how to pronounce it. Just to give you a really quick example of it. Um, I have a I have a good friend whose name is uh, Carol. And for the longest I was calling her Carly because I just couldn't get that O sound wrapped around my head. So one of the things I told myself about uh, Carol is she always gave me gifts. And every time she gave me gifts, she was giving me praise or encouragement. So I thought I started thinking of her name like Christmas Carol, but Mm. dropped the Christmas. So therefore, it was easier for me to remember her name so I could pronounce it well. And I'm doing that task with every single word I'm introduced to. Which sometimes is to my like deferment of just like articles I often omit out of just like when I'm writing like, duh, A, all those things because they don't hold no value to me because they're not a part of the story in a way besides signaling the amount of something. Mm. Um, So a lot of times the, the space I'm starting at is just the story and then I'm narrating it. So when it comes to comic books, it is just thinking to myself, first narration, what is the image to me and how can I tell, how can all that action be told in a, a still moment? I imagine like a lot of models go through this where you're trying to find the pose that says everything about the the action that's taking place. I imagine what modeling is the brand. The same thing I'm doing in my head is just like, what is that one single action that tells these these couple of lines? You know, um, when it comes to animation, I am really thinking about just like, what motion really is going through everything that makes it consistent, makes it understood, especially right now where I'm dealing with limited bus- uh, budget. So all my animation is short animation and I haven't done nothing like serial yet. And then when it comes to the stage, I'm really thinking about how the imagination has no budget. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, I can tell you all these ideas and how you interpret it in your head because your imagination has no budget is up to you, which gives me a lot of liberation. But at the same time, I have to add some control there where you're not. If I'm saying if I'm saying. uh something is galloping through the 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 field you're not thinking of like a cheetah a horse a pony or unicorn so i gotta add that (laughs) what is galloping you know what i'm saying because there's many things that could gallop so like those are the things i'm constantly thinking about and then adding to the uh the spoken word part i'm thinking where am i positioning myself on stage to create that so if i'm talking about something galloping I'm thinking, all right, can I pace myself where I'm walking across it in a motion that kind of interacts with you in that way, um, but also doesn't look absurd in the sense of just like, you're doing too much. Why are, you, why are you prancing over the place? I wanted to 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 do that. And then how can I make my body, in a sense, look larger than it is to create that motion of that animal that I'm talking about?
0: Yeah. So it's, it's a performance component there as well as your describing that and you and know I, and I, and I read that there are themes that you you know often return to I see um the constructs of love masculinity and yeah. and social justice like why why are those the themes that um are that, that resonate with you most?
1: Um for me it's is really about um trying to make the world so gentle that you you know people can walk around barefooted. Mm. So to order to like combat all the isms and oppressors and to make sure that I'm fighting for strangers, um, I have to first become soft myself and recognize how my emotions can be a sword and shield to combat anything in my life and also advocate for folks to have that same agency and recognize constantly educating myself on just like what those the pursuits of happiness look like. And how can I not know this person, but you know, fight for this person because ultimately fighting for this person is fighting for m- my media community as well as myself. So I'm constantly going through those, those like uh those issues because to me they always are putting me into community and also putting me in community and extension of strangers. So I'll always return to that because those, those are the things that I, I gotta, I gotta do, I gotta do. Those are the keys to make this world, you know, just like better. Thank
0: you. And that's, it's great to have like whatever your creative pursuit is, if you're doing it and and having that why at the forefront is always going to interest you. It's always going to, you know, keep, your, your work, like, you know, at the top of mind and you want to even stretch the boundaries of what this might be and, and Mm -hmm. don't like, you know, started off purely doing it in baltimore and i'm like hey there are other cities that that have sort of this same thing and maybe there may be some people like like yourself you know that mm-hmm. are like, you know what this this type of storytelling is what i would like to do i, I you know I, I want something that's accessible something that's community oriented and you know i want to get my story out there in this way and mm-hmm. this is the means to do it and really stretching what those boundaries are now thinking even further of all right, maybe I could do this on stage and bring folks there. Maybe it turns into a festival. I don't, yeah. know, but letting and I, and I like the way that you said it. The and, and I'm going to paraphrase it because you said it so well. But I'm definitely paraphrasing it here. Is that that comment around you know your imagination not having a budget? <laughs> it's yeah. that's, that's really that's really dope. And it it's it's almost an exercise too. See, like how broad, how deep, how detailed can you think about something? Let your imagination run wild.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the why like books and and other forms of just like, well, books and then other forms of just like oral traditions will never die because like, you know, you can read the book and the thing about reading the book is like you have ownership in a way where you can like edit, you know, And and therefore, when you see it in the movies, it's like, wait, I didn't imagine it that way because your mind doesn't have a budget. And also you are now in community with the author where you can change things as you read it, Uh, you know, so like I I think and then even with oral tradition, when you're just hearing a story out loud, it's just like, oh, I you you're now in community with the person that's telling the story. Because now you can like imagine the things in your head and you're adding the colors, you're doing all these things. And I think because of that, these things will never die and always be needed because there's no budget for the imagination at all. You know, there's a budget for a film where it's just like you you wrote down or you imagine a rainy day and they are like, ah, ah, we can't get the weather to work that way and we don't have the money to create the rain. So let's just make it cloudy and do it at night. Right
0: there we go. So let's see. Um, You you've had the your your work has led you to opportunities throughout Mm -hmm. the East Coast. Um, appearing on DefCom Def Poetry, yeah, Def Poetry. Mm and uh, to to feature in the various colleges including Bucknell, Haverford, Drexel. Mm-hmm. Um like is there an appearance or an opportunity that comes to mind that you know or, or a feature that comes to mind that really sticks out for you. Um and if so, could you like set the stage like you know what were you there to do? Um what was that experience like?
1: Yeah. Ah. Uh, I think um the the performance that really Uh, changed me was um, I was featured at a pop-up shop um, here in Philly and Mm -hmm. a pop, for those that don't know what a pop-up shop is, it's just like a marketplace, you know, just not impromptu, but just like a place that wouldn't be, you know, a marketplace now as a marketplace. So it was just like an empty venue and everybody set up tables to sell, to sell stuff. And they asked me to do a poetry set. So they gave me about 10 minutes and after I finished um my poetry set there I ended on um not ended but I did a poem called Irregular Heartbeat and Regular Heartbeat is this talking about this communal love that my 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 best friend was realizing when he was getting arrested and also I'm realizing that this person that you know I was you know, taking it granted as a friendship was really like my best friend and um how much admiration I had for him. And then given the fact that I'm not going to see him for a while, it brought up all these emotions. And um, after I performed my set, it was this, uh, I'm going to say parts of his personhood because it's so important to the story. There was this uh, blind queer black man who um who approached me um with uh with a king and he gave me the most teary-eyed hug and he had said to me i didn't think anybody saw us mm-hmm. until you until what you did tonight and it just hit me because i was I didn't ask him all these questions and I wish I did because I, I'd never seen them again after that moment. I was like, what, what hit you about my poem that I wasn't aware of? Because I was like, I never, what would, what do you mean by that? Cause that's what he said. And he just told me a little bit about his story, but he didn't tell me what impacted him about the poem. And I went on the bus that, after that, and I just thought about that. And I was like, yo, some of this, some of this lives inside of me, as far as like, I'm creating this poem for reasons that I'm experiencing to then put on stage for our audience. But then some of it lives with other people that I am not always gonna be aware of, the things that they bring in with them, the things that make them lighter, the things that they have in their personhood. And in that very moment, I was aware of some of the things because he told me explicitly yeah. and I was like, okay, I really have to be intentional about this work because yeah. I now know that I'm impacting people in ways that I don't always know. And I want to make sure that I have as much impact as possible on the things that I can control and the things I cannot control to know that they're doing the best impression on people as possible because that, that was just like such a phenomenal experience for me because I don't know what he took from that poem, but I know it hit him so hard and it came from me that I I keep wanting to make sure I'm doing that work. What, what are
0: the techniques that you use to keep your work interesting, to keep you just locked in? Like um, I'll, I'll say sometimes where, you know, we, we do something like, you know, at a point, like in doing interviews, right? It's you, you can run into, it's not being burnt out, but you can run into like, all right, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this my path right now? It may have been my path, you know, a year ago, two years ago, what have you, but what keeps you coming back? Um, What keeps it interesting? Do you change something in the process? Do you try to approach it and kind of continue learning new ways to go about like presenting your work?
1: Yeah. Um, For me, it's, it's a constant, you know, struggle that I'm in as far as like locating my purpose. I think what has got better in time is having the tools to locate my purpose. So like doing things like resting, where it's just like, sometimes I get fatigued by the work and I realize I can't think through all the things I need to do because I haven't rest. And when I rest, in that moment, I, 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 begin to find purpose of just like, oh, okay, this is where it needs to go. This is where I need to end at. And often not often, always I, I, I leave with my emotions. I try I'm not try. I do the things that are the most fun to me when it feels like play. It, it, it really excites me. And therefore it becomes the motivator. I'm, I'm a type of person that, uh, 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 they call this thing, and I hope I get this right. I'm sure that your your audience is gonna verify because <laughs> they're very smart and know all the things. Uh, they call this behavior momentum, where you do things that are so exciting for you. They 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 build this momentum for you that when you get to the things that are not as exciting, they become easier to do because you had all the things that kind of like build you all the way up. Mm-hmm. So, so something that's going to take you down because it's not as exciting, doesn't feel as overwhelming and uh, oppressive as it is. So, like, I have to do the things that is the most exciting to me. So, it once I once I start from that place of doing the thing that's most exciting to me, and I'm also making the choice of something that is the most fun to me. I'm locating where does this need to end at? The purpose of it. And then I'm also just trying to expand. Part of like doing poetry is also recognizing that I am doing a form of entertainment. So I often have to just like expand my audience all the time. So I'm trying to think of just like, who are the people that are having conversations about things that I I want to become part of the talk about. Um, So I'm trying to just meet those folks where they are so like at the beginning of my career, I was doing the traditional things of just like going to open mics um, and going to other poetry venues. But I was like, I want to, I I love art. I love animation. I want to talk about this with people. I want to talk about comic books. So I realized I had to go where they was at. I had to go to the comic book stores. I had to go to the art exhibits. I had to go to the kickbacks where my friends are painting and drawing and just do poetry there and talk about poetry with them there and incorporate the things that are happening in our conversations in my poetry. Um, so that, that's another thing is just like always locate in this audience that I want to talk to and trying to be in the spaces that they're talking about the thing that I want us all to have a conversation about. And those things have always led me to just like where I want to take my art and, um, um, I'm I'm like fortunate enough to just like because of those decisions and failures and learning and trusting the process that I've been able to do this full time for the last I want to say eight some years maybe even longer um, and I'm really happy and yeah. I I I yeah it feels good to be in this joy.
0: That's great to hear. Um. So I got I got two more real questions um before mm-hmm. we get those rapid fire questions I always uh have for folks. Um and, and this one is actually around um well, this next this next one actually is um around sort of this this idea of like the the failures the, the sort of setbacks that we encounter. Um mm-hmm. you know I learned that we should never really bury our failures. We should you know we shouldn't avoid them. We, you know, got sometimes we can make those knows. You could take those no's in one way, but really those no's are not right now. Some people may frame that as a failure, you know, that I yeah. did the task. So, you know, how has like failure or parent failure, like set you up for success? Like, do you have a favorite quote unquote failure?
1: Oh man. I the, failure is like, I know this sounds like a, really like a downer, but it's such a regular part of just being creative. And I think, You know, one of the things that, you know, when I was going to my poetry classes or when I'm talking to my homies or even getting advice uh, from just like people before me or, you know, elders, Mm -hmm. um, it didn't, it didn't help me. Well, I wasn't, let me say, I wasn't receiving the information well enough to because they probably did give me this advice, but I was just like dismissing it. It didn't set me up for just how regularly the failure needs to happen to order for the progression to be. And and I say that because my constant experience is just like part of like expanding my audience is also recognizing that I have to diversify my income. Mm. So I can't just rely on just going to the show, getting paid after the gig it, a lot of my work is monetizing my Instagram, uh, consulting people about creative endeavors and then grant writing. Uh, I'm dyslexic. So grant writing is like a big lift for me already. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, when you fill out so many applications and you get like 10 rejections. Right. Which which you said. It resonates. It's just like it's a no for right now. And that was something I had to learn because, you know, one day I got four, four uh rejection emails and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't take none of this. I'm just a failure. Let me let me just blow this candle out. And, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and you know, and I, I have to constantly remind myself that. Sometimes it's a no for For right now, meaning like there's still more work to do. There's relationships I have to build or people are not getting it yet. And I have to I have to do it without them to convince them that it can be done.
0: Yeah.
1: And and then um, sometimes I realize that what, what is Grant writing? You know, you know, sometimes I have to strip things down to his bones where it's just like asking, pitching his project to someone and asking them to fund it. So I was like, "Oh no, you know what? I've been doing Grant right, and I've been calling some of my family members, some of my friends, to, help, to support the projects that I had in mind." So when I got some of my rejection letters, I was like, "You know what? I think I got ten friends that can give me twenty dollars yeah. each to kind of fulfill this project." <laughs> you know, so you know, I sometimes I get on the phone and I call people, and that became another skill. So it real and getting those rejections, I build another skill of just like, now I go from grant writing to becoming a fundraiser, you know, to crowdfunding. So like, you know, with every every rejection, you know, there's other skills that I build, there's other things I realize. And then also, sometimes it's the harsh lessons of just like, I don't have everything I need. And that's why it didn't work. You know, and sometimes for me, you know, those are the hardest thing because I want to believe I'm ready for everything and I have everything I need. But I'm like, no. You know, there's still some things that you got to figure out and it's not there yet. Yeah. Um, and I, I have to like it, it's a very humbling punch, but it's something that I have to take in when I'm aware of just like, Dad, you know what? I don't know how to say all the things and do all the things. And you know, I'm I'm going to figure it out along the way, and that's why that happened.
0: Nice, thank you. So this is this is the last question I have because you know, as I touched on, um, well, I, I I touched on this in the the pre-recorded introduction, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but the you know, like lastly, again with this this sort of idea of failure, I I think that they they are teachable moments in it, right? So. Mm-hmm you know, could you share a bit, you know, this is almost a segue, could you share a bit about your background as a teaching artist as well? Because that's one of those other sort of streams you were talking about, diversifying, yeah. how to go about, and also getting your message out there. Um, yeah. You know, so talk about, like, your work and how you're supporting, like, you know, like, like students, like people who are creative, yeah. people want to, you know, dive into some of the work that you're doing.
1: Well, once, you know, I'm always, I'm always trying to strip uh, things down to the bones. What, what is the bare minimum that I'm doing to impact people? So once I realized that any space that needs words to impact people, I can be present because I'm the producer of words that are the most impactful. So once I realized that, I was like, I can I can teach. I can be a teaching artist. Um, so, um, you know, the performances were doing what they were doing. But I was still working a, a part-time job. And then I saw an ad um where there was like, we need someone to teach a poetry class uh, after school from like three to six um, every day. And it wasn't, the pay wasn't as good as my grocery store job, because my grocery store job was a union, it had benefits, it was doing everything, but it wasn't making me happy, right? <laughs> It wasn't making me happy. And it, the main thing that wasn't making me happy about it is just like I love to solve people problems and in the grocery store. I was solving people problems because I, I was customer service. But that that problem that I was resolving ended at the door once they left. I wanted to do something that I felt as though was more like transformative. Mm-hmm. Versus just like, mm, you know, Miss Sally came in and she couldn't really figure out the right bananas or she wanted her lottery tickets done this way and they were done the wrong way. So she got the wrong number. So now she re- needs a refund. I was like, oh, that made people happy. But I I want to do something more transformative to that. That felt too much like a micro and I, I wanted to do something bigger. So once I, I started doing that. I, I didn't go into it thinking I would love it, but I, I went into it feeling like confident. And then it developed into a love where I was like, oh no, this is really nice. Because part of it was like reclaiming space because I I was doing teaching artistry work in schools that I used to get jumped at, that there were there were game violence in, and I was like, oh snap that fear that I had as a young boy walking these hallways, I still have some of those fears because I still remember some of those moments, but I'm like, I get to reclaim that space because I'm now teaching that kids. I am now creating that space that I did not get in, in, in my young boy years. And I'm like, but I'm also getting to have it as an adult and i felt really empowered in that and then i realized the conversations i was having in the classroom they were feeling empowered by that as well and i was like oh this is something that's always going to be a part of my work and um you know you know i i still very much do teaching artistry work um it's it's so much fun when you know you you just see something change in somebody and when you see that light bulb like uh light up you know it's not going to go out and that is just so great thank
0: you that's great that's yeah i mean i'm I'm hearing a lot of good stuff here so that's um it's really cool it's really really cool um so what i want to do here in these these final moments uh if you will i want to do i want to do these rapid fire questions um Mm -hmm. you know these these are uh these are fun questions you know some people don't like them but some people they like, get they get they get caught on the spot, they don't know what to say their favorite movie is or what have you. Yeah. So I got three I got um four of them for you. Um and mm-hmm. we'll with the first one. Who are your top three black superheroes?
1: Top three black superheroes. Um, I'm gonna have to go with uh icon. Uh I, I love icon uh uh for a lot of different reasons that I can't go into right now because they rapid fire. Yeah. Um, I enjoy Harriet Tubman, uh, the Demon Slayer. Nice. She, I think she's really dope. The whole mythology behind her, I, I just, I think it's just a really for f- like phenomenal, this yeah. idea. Uh, and then lastly, whew, this is really hard for me, and this might cause some controversy. <laughs> um, I. I want to say Martin the Manhunter, and I know that's going to cause some controversy because you could say Martin the Manhunter is an alien. But every time he's in his human form, he's black. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> you definitely hit him with the DC of the Marshall. Yeah, yeah, watch Marshall- him. Hell yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So yeah. I you see him.
0: He's a black dude. It's, it's yeah. live action TV shows, cartoons. It's like that dude is black.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, in some of the comic books. um, And I think even in the animation, he states the reason why he makes that uh, decision. Mm -hmm. And just given his story, oh, man, it's so much just like generational, just like things that, you know, he's combating of just like survival guilt, refugee, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, colonialism. It's just like a lot of things there that I just... Relate there and then let's the, the alienation on like two different levels. Yeah, <laughs> you
0: know? no, I hear you. I hear you. Um, so here's the next one uh, Mac or Windows? Windows, what is your favorite cereal?
1: Waffle crisp. my Waffle man, crisp. Yeah. my man. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, they're so buttery and syrupy, it's just delicious. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, what has taught you more movies, music, or books?
1: All of the above, all of <laughs> above.
0: That's a, that's a very diplomatic answer. I like it. <laughs> so that's pretty much it for the, the interview and the questions and all of that. Um, I want to um, thank you for, for being on the podcast. And um, I want to invite and encourage you to share with the listeners where they can check you out, follow your story, your work. Um, what's the social media website. The floor is yours.
1: Um, yo, thank y'all so much for listening to me today and uh, supporting, you know, the supporting in, in the art and just hearing us out. Um, I'm recently the recipient of the 2023 Jackie Robinson Award that's uh, rewarded by color change locally and nationally. And I, I tell y'all that because this journey has been a long journey for me, but it's having so many beginnings and I want y'all to keep up with everything I'm doing because a lot of just the things that I'm doing is so people power. And I, the more I, I have of the people, the more empowered I feel and the more I feel as though like we are all in a, some capacity empowered. So Lindo, yes. On Instagram L I N D L Y E S. Um, and I just that's the best way to keep up with all my work from my short animations to my uh, graphic novel coming out soon pawn shop to all the like performances that I have coming up soon and some other adventures that I can't say now, but will say in the near future. And there you have
0: it folks. I want to again, thank Lindo Jones for coming on to the podcast and I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art and culture in and around your neck of the woods. You've just got to look for it.